Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks are changing teams for the first time in their careers. I'm putting Philip Rivers in the Hall of Fame. I hope that's not controversial. Jordan Howard will resume his Hall of Fame career with the Dolphins. If you listen to the Tom Brady emergency show, you know that obviously we're going to talk so much about uh, Jordan Howard today. And Teddy Bridgewater will continue maybe to throw underneath passes with Carolina this season. Let's talk about it all. Adam Azer here. Now, you've heard from Jamie this week. You've heard from Ben Gretsch. You haven't heard from Heath Cummings yet, although I've been reading his uh, his stories on the website on cbssports.com slash fantasy slash football. Heath, how you how you holding up? You uh, you still got you got a lot of energy. It's been a tiring. Well, it's been a busy week. Been a busy week. Yeah, it's been an, an exciting week. It's been kind of hard to keep up. Like this morning, I tried to just take a couple hours and fix my rankings, and it was shocking how much my top twelve, top twenty four at each position had changed in just a couple of days. Ben, you talked yesterday about how the tight end position had had really changed. That was the first episode we did yesterday but then we had the rivers news the brady news the bridgewater news not in that order what's your overall look at this now you know you're you, you step back you look at what's happened through the first two days of free agency and we still have more to come what's your overall view now that this has been maybe the most entertaining free agency period we've ever had i mean it's obviously bolstered by not having a lot else going on but we we tom brady left the patriots Philip Rivers left the Chargers um, and plenty of impacts on every other position at this point. I mean, I think early, like you said, early on, tight end was, I think, most significantly impacted. But at this point, like fantasy football is getting really shook up. So I'm excited to dig into it. And NFL football is getting shook up. Jamie, what is your overview of free agency so far? Amazing. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, look, you got a lot of movement. Um the quarterback carousel has been what we hoped it would be. You know, a lot of guys changing teams um, or big name guys changing teams, excuse me. And, uh, you know, we still have a couple of big dominoes to fall. Melvin Gordon being the biggest for fantasy. I know Jordan Howard probably is your oh, top biggest. mover. Yeah. But, um, I also want to see where Robbie Anderson go. You know, so we have a couple of uh, other big names. And let's not rule out any trades. Um, you know, the, the next one that we could hear, unless he's just cut, is Cam Newton to Washington, which would uh, change a few things with the Redskins offense. So we also have Jadeveon Clowney looking to see where he ends up. Uh, defensive guys. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there there's quite, seems to be quite a bit of uh, heat on Cooks and Gurley, too. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if one or both of Cooks or Gurley is moved well sometime. bill o'brien bill o'brien already ruined the market so yeah. you know it's, it's a little hard to trade todd Gurley at this point <laughs> well they need some draft picks though the rams so that i guess that wouldn't be a huge surprise all right so real quick before we get into whose value is changing the most the fact that we've got the virus going on and teams aren't going to be able to work with their players well we don't even know when it's going to happen it's indefinite how does that affect things guys does that give you any hesitation heath i'll throw to you first in uh, in getting excited about players going to new teams when they're not going to have as much interaction with their coaching staff and, and presumably their teammates as they normally would. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 
definitely going to be situation specific and we don't really know yet how much that time is going to be impacted. Um, but there's certainly a situation where if we're, we're kind of in the same type of situation 30 days from now, six weeks from now, and we don't have an idea for sure when the NFL teams are going to start practicing together, that I would be more concerned about some wide receivers and, and quarterbacks learning new offenses. I mean, you can learn an offense through the playbook, but you really need to be out on the field practicing as well. So it, it could be a point, but at this point, I'm not quite worried about it. Is anybody worried about it? Um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, two of the quarterbacks that moved, Bridgewater's got a history with the coaching staff in New Orleans with Joe Brady. Oh, excuse me, in uh, in Charlotte with, with Joe Brady. Carolina with Joe Brady. Charlotte, I'll get yeah. it right eventually. Um, <laughs> and uh, Rivers has a history with the coaching staff in Indianapolis. But Brady and Bruce Arians, I mean, that's uh, that's going to be an interesting mix. And, you know, like we talked about yesterday, he's obviously been around the block enough to uh, adapt to, I'm sure, what terminology they'll be able to talk through uh, before it actually gets on the field. But developing a rapport with two new receivers, you know, he he knew everything Julian Edelman was going to do on and off the field, most likely. And, um, you know, that that could take a little bit of time. He he adjusted to Randy Moss right away when, when he joined the Patriots, at least my recollection is he did. And same thing with Wes Welker. Um, but those are things I think you have to be a little bit concerned about. But if they're going to delay the offseason, they're probably going to delay the season. So we may not get the typical um, you know, start right around Labor Day. We may get that pushed back a few weeks, depending on how this all goes. Hopefully it's not, but you know, you never know. So that could impact a few things. But um, you know, I, I think it's just you know, the, the quarterbacks changing teams are the ones you have to be a little bit concerned about. Hey, guys, in the last 10 seasons with the Chargers, how many wide receivers had double-digit touchdown catches from Phillip Rivers? Wide receivers. Low. Two. Low is not a number, Ben. Zero. Zero. Who said two? Me. Heath. Jamie? Uh, I was going to say two or three, so I'll say three. One. Mike Williams in 2018. Antonio Gates did it twice. Mike Williams once. I was amazed by that. Vincent Jackson never had 10 touchdowns? Not in the last it's, 10 years. Maybe before that. It's because he throws six or seven running backs every year. Yeah. Yeah. And and really, I think only one wide receiver had more than 1,200 yards. Yeah, and that's where Keenan Allen's been right around 1,200 each of the last two years. But he's still, I mean, he's still Keenan Allen finishing consistently top 12 in, in PPR, top like 14 in non-PPR. All right. So let's do value up, down, to the same. Of course, we'll talk about T.Y. Hilton. I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off on the Chargers till we see what exactly their quarterback situation is. We can get into it a little bit. But value they, up, down, they, to the they same. They might have their quarterback situation right now until the draft. Yeah. No, it's, it's very possible. Uh, we'll get into that. But for this segment here, let's. I'm, I'm envisioning it as somewhat, somewhat rapid fire. If we have to get into any of these and debate it a little bit, we can. But let's start. Value up, down, to the same for Christian McCaffrey. Well, can't uh, go up. Same. Uh, same. Same, unless he has a holdout. DJ Moore. Same. Up. Yeah, same or up. I think we should get into this. Uh, you know, is is Teddy Bridgewater going to throw for 4,000 yards? Are the I think the bigger question is, are the Carolina Panthers going to throw 600 and... 20 passes. I mean, it's probably not, but I don't think they're going to be a competitive team and the other teams in that division are going to score like 40 points a game. 
And so I would anticipate they're playing from behind, throwing a lot. And yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, the Carolina Panthers approach 4,000 yards passing. And I, like, I think the biggest thing here is it's going to be really tough for Curtis Samuel to have his breakout. We know what Teddy Bridgewater succeeds at. We know what we thought this offense was going to be about. Shorter throws, getting the ball in space. DJ Moore is the perfect wide receiver to do that. I I just think it's uh like he's definitely better than Kyle Allen, and he was just incredible with Kyle Allen. Okay, so we had one up and two the same, if I recall. For, for yeah, I was already really high on more though. I agree with Keith Bridgewater lowest average throw depth, and I'm going to mention that stat a few times today. But um, it's just the average of how far downfield the quarterback throws it on all their throws. Lowest of any quarterback last year who had at least 200 dropbacks. And now he goes to a team that I would say has the best um, like doppelgangers for Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, which are, you know, a really good pass catching running back, which is always going to be targets closer to the line of scrimmage and a, a legitimate number one who catches a lot of balls near the line of scrimmage in Michael Thomas. McCaffrey and Moore are those guys for, you know, in Carolina. Maybe you could say like Eckler and Keenan Allen are another similar combination, but this is a great fit for for Teddy Bridgewater. I would say the best fit. And, and yeah, I, I, Moore's targets are locked in now. He's going to get these types of targets. All right, cool. Curtis Samuel. Uh, same? Same. Yeah, his value is already low, so I'll say same. One quick note on him. He was the only player in the top 15 of total air yards last year to not have a 1,000-yard season. He only had 627 receiving yards. He wasn't even close to a 1,000 yards because Kyle Allen was so bad throwing the ball down the field. So even if Bridgewater is a short area thrower, you know, when he pushes it downfield, all he has to do is be better than awful at, at pushing it downfield, and it could be better for Samuel than last year. Okay, how about uh, Tom Brady? Value up, down, or the same? Up. To the moon. To the moon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Heath, I feel like when I read your projection story yesterday, I feel like you you are higher on Brady now than you may have been when, when it was just a theory, like just a concept of maybe he could go to Tampa Bay. Did you find yourself surprisingly optimistic on him? I think that's a very good way to define it. And it's just like the thing that gets really difficult is I, again, I think Tampa Bay is probably going to throw a bunch of passes like it's Bruce Arians offense. And so I don't think Tom Brady sucks. Do I think he's going to be as good for Mike Evans as Jameis was? Probably not. But I, um, I it's going to be really, if he plays 16 games in Bruce Arians' system with those weapons, he's going to be a top 12 quarterback. It's just hard to see how he wouldn't be. Uh, well, he was, he, believe it or not, he was 12th this year. So, yeah, <laughs> he should be 12th next year. And, and Winston was fourth. Does Brady have a lot of upside? And yeah. before you say yes, though, he is going to be among the lowest, if not the worst, he and Rivers will probably be the lowest rushing yardage totals among quarterbacks. I mean, Brady rushes for 30 yards a year, basically. And, you know, we know that's a stat that seems to be, uh, that's a trend among quarterbacks, obviously. They run but that, that just keeps him from being a top five guy. I mean, he's still somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to 12, if things go right. I mentioned on the show last year, again, the average throw depth thing. He's been under eight yards of average throw depth, which is on the low end in four of the last five seasons. I mentioned that on the emergency pod. Yeah. Digging into that one season where he wasn't, 
it's the one year Brandon Cooks played in New England. It's the one time he had a legitimate downfield threat, and he was actually up above nine yards of average throw depth, more than a yard higher than each of his other four uh, of his last five seasons. Also in that year, 2017, he led the NFL in passing yards. That was just a couple of years ago. Yeah, he was so the number two quarterback. I, he has this passing upside with these weapons now, for sure. Number and now two you have two teams in the division that are retooling their defenses. Carolina just lost James Bradbury and Luke Keekley. We know what that team is. They're in a the total rebuild mode. You look at Atlanta, they lost Trufant and Vic Beasley, two guys that were starters for them last year, and they have a hard time staying healthy. New Orleans is going to be the one that has a, he is going to probably frustrate him. But, I mean, if, if you were to say defensive struggle with that game or shootout with that game when those two teams meet each other, you probably lean toward shootout. And so I, I think he's going to have, in his, just in his division, six games where he has a chance to put up big numbers. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, value up, down, or the same? Same. I'm down for Evans a little bit. I think you have to meet in the middle a little bit. Yeah, I'll go uh, basically the same. I don't think I moved Godwin in my rankings. Um, he might His projection may have come down just a tad, but uh, down slightly for Evans. Julian Edelman, obviously down. Big down. We'll no, see. he's in great, great situation. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I- you, know, you know what's funny is, and, and obviously the, the circumstances are different, but the fact that Brady is saying making demands to have Antonio Brown come with him, and not saying, hey, go go get Julian Edelman from the Patriots. You could probably get him a little bit cheaper now if New England's going into rebuild mode. Like that, that to me is a little funny. Uh, is there really a scenario, Keith, you said we'll see? Which quarterback could the Patriots bring in that would not be a downgrade for Edelman? Um, no, no. Patrick Mahomes? No. <laughs> Andy Dalton. Really, I mean the the chemistry downgrade, between though. Brady and, and Edelman is. It, it might be a little like I, I okay, so we don't know how big the downgrade is. I I didn't have Edelman as high as where he finished last year. I thought there was some concern with with his age and Brady's age. So yeah, his injury situation is like always the reason we're lower on him than we would project him for like receptions with Brady, right? And so that I think it's shoved to the forefront now that his production isn't as safe we also know that he has a really hard time playing 16 games i'm not going to draft him in a single league this year julian edelman yeah okay uh next up value up down to the same oj howard up yeah up slightly up slightly yeah you still can't you still right now from from everything that uh i've heard from people that have talked to bruce arians you can't trust oj howard okay and and I do wonder, you know, does Tom Brady love tight ends or did he just have the best tight end in NFL history and also Aaron Hernandez, who was awesome? While he was, you know, it wasn't like every tight end was great with Tom Brady. What do you, yeah, what's I mean, your read you on know, it's, it's, it's just an unfortunate situation because I think O.J. Howard is, is clearly talented. Um, you know, Bruce Arians, before he got to Tampa Bay, made it very clear that tight end was not a priority for him in his offense as a pass catcher. And he got a chance to look at O.J. Howard before they took the field. And he was like, wow, this guy is a physical specimen. Let's make him part of the offense. And it didn't work. And so does Brady joining the team automatically change that? I hope so. I really, really do. But until you see it, you cannot draft him as a starter. He's the type of guy you take as a, I'm going to take a chance on somebody who's got a potential to be really good if things work out. 
The best example, that's the I only, guess. That's the only way you can draft him. The best example of, I guess, I think of a non-Gronk tight end would be Martellus Bennett in 2016. He had a really good year. He had 700 yards and seven touchdowns with Gronk playing uh, eight games. So that was that was impressive. Uh, Phillip Rivers to the Colts. Value up, down, or the same? Same. Up slightly. Down. Uh, okay. Uh, why Why up, Jamie, for Rivers? Uh, much improved offensive line. You saw in 2018 when he had better offensive line play that he was a significantly better quarterback than he was last year. So I'm hoping that protection is a big key for him. I'm not drafting him. He's not a, a, a even a top 15 guy for me. But um, uh, he was outside my top 24. If he stayed with the Chargers, he's slightly inside it now. So fight upgrade. And Heath, your thoughts on Rivers to the Colts? Is I mean, it's all, Jamie's said about his offensive line is completely right. His weapons are just significantly worse, and he had a lot of 600 pass attempt seasons with the Chargers. And I don't expect like they really drew back the passing game with Jacoby Brissett. No, they'll throw more than they did last year, but I don't think we'll see him throwing near as much as he did with the Chargers. And he doesn't. Most importantly he doesn't have a back on the roster that can do the things that Austin Eckler did after he dumped the ball off to him. I mean, Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack are probably going to be like six yards per target, and Eckler gave him an extra three yards every target. Does this stat surprise you? Because it's surprising the hell out of me as I'm looking at it right now. The Colts, like last year, they scaled back the passing with Brissett. But two years ago with Andrew Luck, second in the NFL in pass attempts. That doesn't surprise me, but... I don't think they'll go back there. There's super game script dependent right now, or they have been for two years now under Frank Reich, where if they trail in games, they will throw really heavily and they'll completely abandon Marlon Mack. His snap share will completely plummet that week. It's very highly variable week to week. If they lead, he'll run 28, 29 times. I mean, they, and I like it. I think it's smart from an analytical standpoint, but I don't think teams are, that heavily game script dependent as the Colts have been in the last few years. They're going to add another receiver at some point um, in the draft. It, 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 it's fairly obvious if you hear anything coming out of the Colts. It was a little surprising that they made the trade for DeForest Buckner because that was kind of a sweet spot for C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, you know, maybe Ruggs if they were going to be infatuated with speed. Um, but now that is totally out of the question. But this is such a deep receiver draft that they could find somebody on day two and still be okay. Um I do think this is huge for Naheem Hines. Big, big boost for him. Yeah. Yep. And, okay, let's, let's do uh, two more here, and we'll kind of I'll open up the floor to you guys, and you can debate. I want to know where the controversy is, where the rankings controversies are. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, up, down, or the same? Up. Up. Do you think he – where is he in your rankings? Where's Hilton? Just outside 20. top 24. 20 for me now. 21, maybe? 20 or 21. I don't have rankings, but I like he's number better. I think I'm going to have him up around 20 at least. I just hope he stays healthy. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that the biggest factor there? Because I feel like you could certainly make the case that if he's healthy, based on what we saw him do with Andrew Luck, based on what we've seen from Keenan Allen with Phillip Rivers, including last year, that T.Y. Hilton should be higher than 20th. More like 12th. He played with Phillip Rivers last year? That's amazing. No, I said Keenan Allen last year. You know. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was saying based on Hilton with Andrew Luck and Keenan Allen with Philip Rivers, if T.Y. Hilton stays healthy, I would imagine he's finishing in the top 15. Well, it still goes back to what Ben was saying about game script. You know, it's it's going to be targets and how, how much they're going to throw the ball and how, how much upside it'll have. 
Okay. And Hilton's not any, I mean, obviously you know this, but he's not anywhere near the same type of receiver as Keenan Allen. So target wise, it's hard to kind of project the same. I mean, Rivers still takes downfield shots, right? Like we saw Mike Williams get a ton of air yards. We've seen all sorts of different receivers play that role for Rivers throughout his career, Vincent Jackson, whoever. Um, but I, I think it'll be harder for Hilton to have Keenan Allen type target numbers. Fair enough. And finally, Jack Doyle. Up, down, or the same? Up, same. Up, just barely. Is anybody excited about Jack Doyle? I am. He was good a couple years ago, and and Eric Ebron's gone. I think Ebron had a pretty big impact on him. If they don't add another tight end, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, if, if, if we get to May and their tight end room is exactly the same, then I'll probably have Jack Doyle like 12th at tight end. As I recall, when when Ebron got hurt, we were excited about Doyle because the history had been that he was a must-start guy when he would get you know featured, and then he was just really useless for, for fantasy. The last four games of the season were just terrible for him. But Jacoby Brissett wasn't good, so yeah, this is certainly a, an opportunity right now for Jack Doyle. All right, guys. So it, where you know where where's the controversy? Like like get, let's get fired up here. Give me some. Give uh, me a hot it, take, Keith. I, Okay, I can do it. Okay. Um, we You may have missed the guy who, and I haven't quite settled on where I'm going to be on this, but I think the biggest loser might be DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh. Okay. Biggest loser. Yeah, this would, this would be a better one for Dave. Dave still loves DeAndre Hopkins. I, go on. Yeah, I, go on. I here's, here's my concern. It's a couple of things. Um, one, Cliff Kingsbury... Like one of the things that makes him a an innovative, young, exciting mind in the NFL is the fact that he doesn't hasn't historically in college or his one year in the NFL distributed the ball in the way that NFL teams did for so long, where you're throwing it to one guy 150 times and then maybe one other guy 100. Like he spreads the ball around very unpredictable. And I would expect that he's never had DeAndre Hopkins on his team before, so I would expect that's going to change this year. But I don't think it's realistic to expect that DeAndre Hopkins is going to get 10-plus targets per game again. The other thing is Hopkins' efficiency fell last year, and if you look at his career, it's like he's awesome. I'm not... The way he earns targets is awesome, and he, he's very, very talented. But in terms of a yards-per-target basis, he's pretty average. Like, he's right around eight yards per target. Um, for guys over 100 targets per year, that's that's just pretty normal. And so if he's at 140 targets over 16 games, then I don't think we're going to see that elite production. And there is reason to be concerned that is touchdown totals we've seen from the past. Like one of the things I put on Twitter was, yes, I agree. Cliff Kingsbury's offense system is more exciting than what they're doing in Houston, but Houston was definitively good for an alpha number one wide receiver. And we don't know that Arizona's is. Ben. And also Kyler Murray is not as good of a quarterback as Deshaun Watson right now. Yeah. Right now, it well, is. We'll, we'll find out how much of it was DeAndre Hopkins. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> Could be true. I, well, all right, Ben. So you seem particularly uh, perturbed by by Heath's comments. Well, no, not perturbed. I think that's a good, really good point. And that's like 
uh, about spread offenses and the percentage of targets that wide receiver ones can can get in those more modern open offenses. And uh, it's been a trend for for multiple years as we've seen more three wide receiver sets. The league went to really heavy eleven personnel maybe like a half decade ago is all, um, and we've seen smaller percentages for number ones league wide as a result essentially. Uh, so yeah, I agree, actually completely agree with all of that. Um, I think Hopkins is good enough, and he's shown that he's good enough regardless of quarterback. Because even when Watson got hurt, he was still really good with like TJ Yates at quarterback and things like that. So um, I I agree with Heath that it might be difficult to get the same number of targets. I tend to believe that he's going to still be very productive because. He's like just very, very good at football. Um, and it's tough. It's tough whenever wide receivers change teams. Like we saw Odell Beckham last year. Yeah, he was banged up, but we've seen it with a ton of receivers changing teams, new offenses to tend to struggle in year one. But man, DeAndre Hopkins is kind of a different beast for me. I think one thing that's interesting to, to see is was last year a byproduct of talent around him staying healthy to an extent. You know, Will Fuller from when he was healthy, Kenny Stills being on the team, and the yards per catch going down. Was that the offense change, his role potentially changing to some degree, or is this him slowing down? He's never been a fast guy in context of what fast guys are. He's one of, if not the best, at contested catches and, you know, catches in traffic and all those things. Um, This is going to be an interesting test. You know, is he is he going to go downfield more? Is he going to have you know more explosive plays? Uh, if that happens, then his numbers should maybe not increase, but uh, stay the same fantasy wise. However, that sort of matriculates. But if he's slowing down, then it's going to be a problem. Yeah, he's twenty seven. I just don't. Oh, think I I, I don't think he is. I'm just I'm just saying. You know, it, when when you see yard, we had this conversation with Antonio Brown. When when yards per catch goes down. And not not steep drop off, but drop off. You know, you have to wonder why. And you know, you know, I I don't know what the answer is to that. But I make this point every time we every time we brought up Antonio Brown, his yards per catch went down three seasons ago, 2016. It was 12.1, and it was like, uh oh, he's getting up there in age. And then 15.2 the next year. So that, right, that, and that's that, that's, that's my why, point. Is that yeah. you want you want to see that you want you yeah, want to yeah. see you want to see the the rebound in in that category. If in fact it's just a uh, was a matter of talent around him, and now he's going to a situation where I, I mean there's still talent around him. You know, if Christian Kirk continues to improve, whether his numbers bear that out or not, he's improving as a player. Larry Fitzgerald is still going to get numbers to what degree? You have a good pass catching running back. You still have a quarterback's going to run. They should try to get Tunsil from the Texans. They probably could, like a third round pick. Uh, no, but they they obviously need to get better on offense. And this was a team that was second worst in the NFL in time of possession. And they were 22nd in plays run, plays from scrimmage. So I imagine Texans or Cardinals? the Cardinals, sorry. The Cardinals have to get better on offense. Second worst in time of possession and 22nd in, in scrimmage plays. So, I, you know, I don't know where they're going to end up ranking in scrimmage plays if their offense really clicks. Because maybe they'll just be a really low time of possession team by design and maybe they'll have a lot of big plays and scrimmage plays could be deceiving but i was expecting a higher number of plays run by the cardinals am i wrong in in expecting that no they they told you to expect that they they, (laughs) their plan was to be and i think 
um, some of the pace stats that only look at like the time between plays indicate that they did play faster than their total plays. They right, just could right. not maintain drives. I do think that if things go like exactly the way they have them drawn up, they'll be in the top five in the league in terms of offensive plays run. I'm not sure they're the other thing is your defense has got to get off the field every once in a while. And I think their defense is probably going to be on the field a lot yeah. again this year. Um, so I, I, I project them for an increase in the number of plays, an increase in the number of passes, but I don't project them to go from below average in terms of total plays to top 10 in terms of total plays. How much are you considering? So Jamie mentioned the the drop off in Hopkins explosiveness, and I do have kind of an answer for the why his average depth of target last year was, and I talk about air yards all the time, a yard and a half lower than his previous career low. He had the fewest total air yards since his rookie year. So he wasn't getting downfield targets last year at nearly the same rate. So, Heath, I'm wondering when you're projecting him and you said he's kind of you know, closer to average in some efficiency stats, how much are you looking at that drop off in 2019? I'm expecting a little bit of a bounce back, but I'm not expecting an entire bounce back. I mean, when you look at DeAndre Hopkins' efficiency, there are basically two years that really stand out. Um, in terms of like extreme efficiency, it was over nine yards per target in 2018, which was really the first full year year they got with Sean Watson. And then his second year in the league, I believe with Matt Schaub, he was over nine yards per target. Every other year, he's been right around upper sevens, low eights. I think I've got him right around eight right now, 8.2, something like that. I actually think the bigger loser is what is Watson though. So Jamie's moved Kyler Murray ahead of Watson. He has him fifth. Dave has Watson fourth. You have Watson seventh Heath. And I wonder where he's going to go. Jamie, when's our next mock draft? We're doing one next week, I assume. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes. I don't see myself drafting him right now. Obviously they're going to have to address the position other than Randall Cobb. What a jeez. but I have no faith in the Texans right now. I just, they look like a very poorly run franchise and having Watson and Hopkins was enough. And obviously JJ Watt and it was enough to, you know, keep them as a contender, but just the arrow looks down to me for this franchise. And I don't want Deshaun Watson, certainly with a top five quarterback pick. And, uh, I think I'd take, jo- I'd take Josh Allen over Deshaun Watson. Bam. You're looking Agreed. at my rankings. Agreed. Same. I have a ranked same way too. Uh, wow. I, I'm not seeing I, that. I, guess I don't think updated. I'm there yet. <laughs> Jamie, uh, jo- oh, you have Josh Allen, Heath. Okay, fifth, and Watson seven, and Jamie. I'm seeing uh, Watson five, Allen seven, but I'm assuming that just hasn't updated yet. So, right. Okay. Cool. Well, I guess I'm not that bold after all. But I think I think yeah. Josh Allen's the next thing that we like argue about because I had him one spot ahead of Kyler Murray before free agency opened. I still have him one spot ahead of Kyler Murray. I just moved put them both up five spots in my in my projections and rankings. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much Josh Allen's going to improve as a passer, but he just got one of the best wide receivers in the NFL um, added to his. And squad. Kyler Murray didn't. What's that? And Kyler Murray didn't. He did. No, he did. That's why I moved him up as well. But I yeah. feel like everybody moved Kyler Murray up. And not as many people have been talking about Josh moving like Josh Allen being a surefire fantasy starter this year. Yeah, he's locked in top ten for sure. We're all pretty excited uh, he, about he, him. He was top ten for me before the move. Right. So he was I mean, for it, me too. And now this definitely solidifies it. I'm not yeah. as high as you guys, though. I mean, I know we love all the rushing stats, 
that he brings for fantasy, but he also has two of the top 10 uh, rushing touchdown seasons from a quarterback in NFL history. That's going to be a hard thing to do every single year of his career or continue to do even this year. Uh, Cam Newton, for instance, started his career with two seasons in the top 10 all-time rushing touchdowns for a quarterback, and then he fell off, and he's never hit those heights again in any season since. I don't think Josh Allen's going to run for eight or nine touchdowns most years. And he's yes, he's done it two years in a row. I still just think that's hard to to expect. And and like he said, I don't know that he's going to be that accurate. Again, still, I'm going to have him probably QB six, QB seven, very very clearly in my top ten. Um, but I, Diggs helps. I, this guy's never thrown for more than 270 yards in a game. Like we we see the highlights, we see the big arm, we see downfield completions. How has he never had a 300 yard game in 29 games at the NFL level? It's because he's so inconsistent amazing. from play to play. So yeah. to me, he's not a guy who has top three, top five upside. Uh, hey, by the way, Heath, are you still drafting John Brown in the first ten rounds? First ten rounds? Yeah, probably. Okay. I don't like. I don't think he's going to completely disappear. I mean, ten rounds—that's yeah. 120 players. We're not. If you don't like, there's plenty of room for a top 40 wide receiver. I, he's still in my top 40. Let me see the uh, wide receivers that went last week in our draft in round in round ten. Uh, let's see: Nikhil Harry, Deontay Johnson, Hunter Renfro, Alshon Jeffrey. Um. Yeah, I would take John Brown over all of those players. Okay. How about over McCole Hardman, who went in round nine? Uh, currently, let's see if Sammy's. Cu- Degrees to rework his contract or gets cut. So I want to promote a few things real quick here. Our Facebook group, the best way to uh, stay connected throughout the offseason. And our podcast isn't going anywhere. But uh, the Facebook group, you can search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook or click on the link in the episode description to chat with the FFD team and other fantasy fans. Lots of free agency talk right now. You can share your thoughts there. You can also do that with an Apple podcast review. And if you're working from home this week, ask Alexa or another smart speaker to play fantasy football today. Start and stop FFT episodes with your voice. What, what power you have these days. Yeah, so all, all those smart devices, just say play fantasy football today. And I will speak to you in your kitchen or wherever else you're listening. Pretty creepy. Go through the rest of the news and notes. It's almost Jordan Howard time. In fact, it is Jordan Howard time. All right. Two years, $10 million to the Dolphins. Jamie, huge news. Break it down. I mean, he's going to be the most annoying backup running back in football after they draft somebody. (laughs) Or will it go the Miles Sanders route where he'll be the most annoying starting running back in football, Jordan Howard, and we're we're waiting for that rookie to to get the chance to be unleashed? Probably. And you think they're going to draft someone significant, right, the Dolphins? Well, I mean, you know, they're in the range with their third pick uh, in the 20s to... um, to get a running back. So I, I would I would hope that that's something that they consider depending on how they handle 5 and 18 uh, on the NFL draft. They're not going to take one at 5, obviously. Uh, I don't think they'll take one at 18. But um, even if it's day two, you know, this is a great running back class. They have plenty of ammunition to, to get somebody that they hopefully like. Um, you know, if it's somebody who is ready to go right away, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, um, you know, that's, that's going to feel a lot like the Miles Sanders situation. If it's, uh, you know, I think Cam Akers can play right away, but, you know, somebody maybe that could take a little bit more grooming, um, it, that that may take a little bit longer. But, 
look, they, they were going to add a veteran regardless. This was a, a disaster of a backfield after they traded Kenyon Drake. Kalen Balaj stinks. Miles Gaskin and Patrick Laird are, are, you know, not starting caliber running backs in the NFL. And so they needed something. You know, it was either going to be something significant like Melvin Gordon, uh, maybe Devontae Freeman after he was let go. But uh, Jordan Howard, from what they're looking for, profiles as the type of guy who can be a placeholder until young running back is ready like he was in Philadelphia. Does anybody... You guys want to hear a crazy Jordan Howard stat? Yeah, yeah. He's still just 25, right? 4.3 yards per carry in his career. He just had his worst season, but he's played four years. This is his just average line, like full season line, not 16-game pace. This is just what he's done in four years divided by four. 224 carries per year, 974 rushing yards, seven and a half touchdowns. Like that's for a 25-year-old back with a, a, a reasonable yards per carry average. That's his four-year average. That's like really good. Is it? It's, it's a thousand good. rushing yards and seven and a half touchdowns per season. Yeah, but but so little passing game production. Sure. Which which hurts. He's basically like you really you kind of need him to score most weeks. You know who Jordan Howard is. It's, he's not an exciting option. He's like uh, kind of what I guess kind of what Carlos Hyde was last year. Although they started featuring with him with the Eagles for three or four weeks off the top of my head, and they said, "Hey, we're going to give Jordan Howard the ball," and he got the ball more, and he did, and he, he got the ball, and we're going to score. All of you remember that fun reference, uh, and he did pretty well with it. But they're obviously going to bring someone in there. Uh, how about uh, there's not really a lot of other wide receiver news. The Patriots signed Demir Bird, big, and Tom Brady apparently wants to play with Antonio Brown, according to NFL Network. That would not be good for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, I would assume. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens there. And the Vegas Raiders signed Jason Witten to a one-year deal. Heath, does that affect Darren Waller? I don't think it will. I think Foster Moreau had five touchdowns as the second tight end, and he's not expected to be ready for the start of the year. I I guess they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. It's uh, that I saw they signed Witten. I thought, well, I guess they're sticking with Derek Carr. They should. I mean, they should. He, he's he, he can't. Witten can't run more than five yards downfield, and Carr <laughs> doesn't throw more than five yards downfield. They're a perfect pair. There's going to be some annoying weeks with this. With Waller and Witten. Yeah, yeah, I'm down on Waller on this. I mean, Renfro was already cutting into his short area targets at the end of last year. When Renfro was active, Waller's target rate just plummeted late in the year. Uh, now you're adding a second tight end with, uh, you know, I know he's really old, but he's got a track record. And and Waller was a one-year breakout at age 27 last year. He's an old, you know, is he really the, that established? The only saving grace, if you, if you can look at it, is they haven't added anything yet at the receiver position. And he's a former wide receiver. Yeah. So he, he can do, obviously, a variety of different things to help this offense. And I think he's clearly established himself as, as, as a playmaker here. So I don't think you, like, I, don't, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, Ben, but I don't think people should get away from him as a starting fantasy tight end. But it's now comparing him to, you know, where he was in the conversation for maybe even the third best fantasy tight end. Because of Jason Witten or because of Hunter Renfro and Jason? Because come on, like Jason Witten on a one-year no, deal but, but at the end of his No, but when you start career. to get, look, Kelsey and Kittle are established. They're the top two guys. Three through eight is, I think, very much up for debate of the order. And so now it's, you know, nitpicking. Like for me, Andrews is now clearly ahead of Waller. Oh, yeah. 
I agree. I think he's still a starting tight end. And, and Adam, it's a good question. It's not because of Jason Witten. I was already, I already thought his targets were precarious. I thought a lot of his high target rate had to do with so few other options last year. They obviously tried to bring in Antonio Brown to be their target hog number one. I expect they're going to draft that type of wide receiver this year. Um, so I was already expecting, especially when we saw late in the year when he had a little bit more competition and Renfro started establishing himself, that that impacted Waller's ability to just rack up targets. I was already expecting Waller to not be able to maintain that high target share. But it's just everything else is, is adding to that. So now I'm like, okay, I got to keep bumping him back. Like he's not going to have a massive amount of targets. I anticipated having this discussion about Waller after the NFL draft or something, but not with the addition of Jason Witten. That's just, you know, they're going to bring in somebody. I, I, just, I just downgraded him one spot. So I, in PPR, I had Waller ahead of, of Andrews. Now I have Andrews ahead of Waller because I was close on them to begin with. I honestly had not. Um, I, I'll, I'll look at it a little bit closer, but they like they threw the ball last year. 44 times to Foster Moreau and Derek Carrier. There's plenty of targets. Marcel Aitman had 10 targets. Like there's there's plenty of room for a second tight end to get 50 targets in this offense. Maybe maybe it'll hurt Waller a little bit, I guess. Andrews is kind of interesting because 10 touchdowns on 98 targets. Does that feel like sort of a lot? You know, and especially the second oh. half of the season. I mean, he had 43 he- targets in his last 8 games. He's not going to repeat the touchdown rate, but I just think the expectation should be that the Baltimore is going to throw at least a little bit more, and he's their number one option. Do you think he's their number one option, or do you think Marquise Brown elevates to that? I think he remains their number one option this year. I think Marquise Brown, healthy, takes away from Andrews, but I also agree with Heath that they're going to throw the ball a little bit more, and I also think Andrews, remember, he battled through some injuries at the end of the season. So hopefully he's 100% and, you know, you get closer to 120 targets. Jamie, is there any team that's significantly upgraded their offensive line? Gets, makes you, you know, excited about the prospects and fantasy? I mean, the Jets have, you know, just in terms of bringing guys in. But that doesn't necessarily change things for fantasy too much. Helps Le'Veon Bell. Um, with free agent signings so far, um, nothing that jumps off the page otherwise. Yeah, the Jets brought back Alex Lewis, guard. They have a new center now, Connor McGovern, and they brought in George Fant. But none of these guys are stars or anything like that. Maybe the biggest name so far has been Bulaga, the Chargers signing Brian Bulaga, who's good but getting old. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, Brady Quinn on um, uh, on CBS Sports HQ thought with uh, Bulaga, and they brought somebody else back, right? Or signed somebody else? Oh, Trey Turner. They traded um, for with, Turner, yeah. With, with, with the trade for Trey Turner. That he he said he thought well setting up pretty well for Tom Brady to go there and have a good offensive line. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, by the way, the biggest name is Conklin. Ben and I talked about him yesterday. Cleveland signing Jack Conklin to a three-year, forty-two million dollar deal with thirty. Million yeah, I mean that's that that that's an upgrade. I'm just talking about you know like significant signings across the board. You know, right. I, I I would say maybe the Chargers with what they did with Turner and Balaga and and, and the Jets. All right, so tomorrow we'll have one more show for the week. Uh, well, the, we'll see how the news goes make sure you're watching hq i want to read an email by the way at fantasyfootballcbsi.com not done with the show but jamie can you give us a little programming note for hq yeah so we're going live um to sort of recap all this stuff on cbs sports hq uh noon on thursday noon on friday noon eastern on thursday and friday 
So we'll be recapping um, all the moves, uh, you know, fantasy-wise, a lot of the similar conversations we've been having here. But it'll look a lot prettier and um, uh, because of the graphics, not because of our faces. Everybody here is pretty. Um, <laughs> and then what we will be doing uh, in the event of um, any further shutdowns around the country, uh, we're going to tape some shows to recap free agency, off-season moves so far, look ahead to the NFL draft, kind of go over our rankings. Those shows on CBS Sports HQ will, uh, I hope, never see the light of day, to be honest with you, because that means that everything is fine. But uh, uh, they may be airing on our on our network um, some point in the next uh, week or so. So this guy, Travioli is his name. He wants to get us in on a little discussion he had with his friend. I started this argument with my friend about number one wide receivers, real life number one wide receivers, not fantasy wide receivers. And how many teams need a true number one wide receiver? I decided almost half the league needed one based on player ability and track record, not rookies or guys on their first good year like Devontae Parker. What do you think about number one wide receivers? And what do you think about a guy like Julian Edelman? Is he a number one wide receiver or just good for fantasy? Oh, he's definitely such not a, a philosophical one. question. Yeah, he's definitely not a number one wide receiver. That is, <laughs> he's not like no. like been been with the you know it's <laughs> kind of a nuanced thing, and, and, and people can have different opinions. And Adam, no, no, well, no, I, I didn't think he meant the Edelman portion of it. The rest of it is philosophical. I, I think a number one receiver can play in the slot in the modern era. It's a lot different. We talked about these NFLs. Uh, I don't think it's crazy at all. I mean, Michael Thomas plays out of the slot. You call him a number one, so I think you can make an argument. He's that a lot. Edelman he's is better than Edelman. Number. He's definitely better than. Edelman. He's got more playmaking ability. I'm not All saying right, so that you, they're comparable. You, I'm saying that just because Edelman's a slot he receiver, plays out of the slot, but I can't imagine their slot percentages are the are the same. They are. Oh, they're no. very similar. Every yeah. every that he never lines up outside. Michael Thomas. He's Edelman very lines up outside sometimes. Okay, but but by, by, by definition, when he's standing on the last receiver on the on the <laughs> side of the field, he's lined up outside. Actually. Sure, sure. Uh, um, okay. I'll ask you this because you started the show with uh, with saying Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Well, if you don't want to penalize him for PEDs, I think he is because his playoff performances. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty damn clutch. Comes comes up big. I would say. Do you think he is? I think he's going to be in the conversation. I think I don't think he'll get in, but I think he'll be he'll be on the ballot. I don't think he's. I don't think he is a number one wide receiver, though. Why? No. He, I mean, I, I would say he's much more of a number. He, much more of a number one wide receiver than he is a Hall of Famer. Well, I think the playoff stuff is going to put him into the Hall of Fame. The success he's had, but he's got like six hundred catches. Well, I don't. Well, number one I wide have, receivers. Down. I have to update. I I lied. Edelman is in the slot about two thirds of the time. Michael Thomas only thirty percent of oh, the time. Thank last goodness! Year. I felt Come really on. stupid for a while. <laughs> Adam Adam gets to be right on this one. Woo. All right, I needed that. I needed that. I was got to win there. Adam well, is Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame? Yes, for the same reason Julian Edelman is in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. Julian Edelman was had more good years. He no, was, he had three good years. That's about the same. Oh, jeez. People forget about how good Eli Manning was. So what do you guys think about do you need a number one wide receiver? It has not it has not been a position. Wait, we haven't decided what a number one wide receiver is. Well, yet, it so hasn't right. it hasn't been a position that has translated to Super Bowl victories. I'll say that 
the Texans are going to be our best test case because what they have right now is two deep threats, two slot receivers in Cobb, who they added, and, and Cutie, who they already had. Like eight tight ends. I mean, they still have Fells and Aikens back, but they had Jordan Thomas, who had some touchdowns back in 2018, and they drafted Kahale uh, Waring last year, and he's going to be going into his second year. They have two of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. They have all these like role players for a passing game. So they're going to be our best test. Does this impact Deshaun Watson? Because if, if he can play through that, then maybe, you know, they obviously just lost one of the best number ones. Adam, is is DJ Moore a number one wide receiver? I would I would think his he's trending that way, but I I would have to say the jury is still out on that. But I, if I had to guess, yes, he, he will be. Is is Cortland Sutton a number one wide receiver? I also think he's trending that way. Yeah. In okay. fact, I'm I think I'm probably more excited about Cortland Sutton than than DJ Moore, but because he's taller. Yeah, yeah, he's more uh, prototypical. <laughs> I think Moore will probably put up better. I think there's a height catches. requirement in your uh, number one <laughs> it, wide receiver. You know, Odell Beckham's not that tall, buddy. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But he jumps. He jumps very high. So it's height plus vertical has to equal a certain amount of feet and inches. No, Keenan but, Allen is is the legitimate number one slot receiver. If you're not saying that Edelman is, no, I, that's probably the best guy. Yeah, and I I think that Keenan look. Okay, if I'm being honest with you, I think that Tom Brady has made Julian Edelman. I think that's probably why I'm saying no, he's not a number one wide receiver. If he went to another team, he okay, maybe now is not a great time. He's clearly at the end of his career and he's a little beaten up. He'd still have been good. But I just think Tom Brady, as accurate as he's been, as, as good as he is for a guy like Edelman, I think Brady really made Edelman a star. You could say that about a lot of wide receivers, though. Well, but, but not maybe. Beckham. I mean, you can't say that about Beckham. You, you know, like, you can't like, say can that. Can you? <laughs> we have one no. year from a sample size, and it wasn't good. No, uh, no, we had his whole career with the Giants. You can't say that Eli Manning made Odell Beckham. You can't say that. Well, maybe you can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's that's more about Baker Mayfield, then, if, if that's the case. Uh, you can't say that about DeAndre Hopkins with all the crap he played with before Sean Watson. So, I, I don't really. I give you Hopkins. I don't give you Beckham yet. I, I disagree right. with you. I mean, I, I think what Beckham did with Eli Manning was pretty extraordinary, especially when you've seen all the plays of him just running slants all the time and having to do all the work to take it himself for, Look, for I, yak. I, Obviously, Eli Manning did not turn Odell Beckham into Odell Beckham. Right. But until we see Odell Beckham put up stats with another quarterback, you can't make that argument, though. I can make that argument. The argument is that Beckham... Beckham the argument is that it has nothing to do with the Browns. It's that Eli, Be- Eli Manning did not make Odell Beckham. I think we can all agree on that. I hope. So does anybody have a final thought on this? Do you need a number one receiver? Do you need a true number one receiver? To be a good team? To be a great so. team. Be a great team? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Does Tyreek Hill qualify as a great number one receiver? <laughs> to me, he does. I think if you go back and look at not just this year, but like a lot of the, the Super Bowl participants in recent years, you're going to find that they didn't have that. You know? Well, par- participants for sure. Um, San Francisco did not have one. Who? Nobody's won Eagles. with one. What's the, who's the one. best wide receiver to win a Super Bowl lately? Julio Tyree Jones Kill. almost did. Who'd you say? Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Tyreek Hill. Before, <laughs> <laughs> before this year, though, it was it was weird. It was like all these diva wide receivers were never winning Super Bowls. I mean, Tyreek's not tall, Adam. Are you sure he qualifies? He jumps really high, so he makes up for it. <laughs> but, yeah, it hasn't been a, a position that has translated to Super Bowl wins. It's been kind of strange. 
Well, well that's why Bill O'Brien made the move that he made. Take, look, take my ham sandwich and DeAndre Hopkins and give me back an old running back with uh, bad knees and a bloated contract. Look, to me, the Texans, the Texans have two of the five best wide receivers in football, and they traded one of them, and now it's Will Fuller's time to uh, to shine. Well, okay, I'm really high on Will Fuller, but I'm going to need you to name <laughs> how he's top five in the NFL. Is Will Fuller a number one wide receiver? Uh, we'll find Apparently. out, but I was just kidding. He's top five in the AFC South. Uh, I'll, I'll give him that. Is he? Uh, yes. I Come think on. so. He has to well, be. We know AJ. We know AJ Brown is one. AJ Brown's yeah, definitely and one. Floors two, and that's and Hilton's three. Age, a- uh, yeah. AJ Chark. Brown. DJ Chark's up there. Yeah. You take Chark or Will Fuller right now. You're starting a team. Chark for sure. Yeah, probably. I don't know. He's healthier. I guess I'd have to so leave. Chark, yeah. Chark, Chark, Brown, and Hilton ahead of Will Fuller. So, yeah, but if I'm starting a franchise, I'm taking Will Fuller over T.Y. Hilton. I don't know how much. Are you? I don't know how much Hilton has left in the tank. Uh, how much does Will Fuller have left in the tank? He, he's got ten great. He's got ten Pro Bowl caliber years. You gotta he only feel, has gotta, like he only has like twenty career games on his knees. He'll be good. You gotta, exactly. Wheels on the tank to drag him around because one of them is broken. Yeah, well, I don't know that he's more injury prone than Tyreek than T.Y. Hilton at this point. Well, know? is is Will Fuller better than um, the receiver that Ben put on the Texans? Uh, cutie. It, what do you mean? Well, he's, he made it sound like like he's like a pretty kid. You know, <laughs> oh, Isn't cute, that how you say his name? Cutie pie. Cutie. <laughs> did we already just, did, did, we, did we settle the Will Fuller versus Kenny Stills thing yet? Oh that, that's please! The other thing oh no! Get out of it! Get out of here! Yes. Why? We Stills, Stills might be the number one. I, I I I had a th- tweet thread going about it. Um, yeah, their efficiency is similar, but Stills has never had the type of volume Fuller has had. Yeah, and. Fuller continued like or like Stills is more productive and more of a bit role of downfield role, and Fuller's seen more volume. It's like you, you well, just show the well, efficiency rates. We've got a very limited sample size of Fuller seeing more volume. I just, There's like a five game or seven game stretch maybe where he where he got more than five targets per game. In in my heart, I really don't think that he thinks that Kenny Stills is better than than Will yeah. Fuller. I just think he, Kenny Stills is very very good and he's underrated. No, he's very good. That's the other thing. You're you're making a case against Fuller by comparing him to one of the most underrated players, and so it's I mean, like it sounds a case bad. For stills. Yeah, I mean it's, it should be a case for Stills. As but much I think- fun as this has been, I gotta go, boys. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> gotta go. Bye. All right, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow with more. I want to hear from you, so I'll be reaching out on Twitter, on Facebook, and email us or send an Apple Podcast review. Fantasy Football at CBSI.com. We'll talk to you Thursday.